I remain standing for the reading of God's Word, Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. And so we will cover a long haul this morning by looking at verses 1 and verse 2. So Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. Lord, thank you for your word. Please be seated. So our journey through the first 11 chapters of Romans has been a blessing for many reasons. Um, Blessing one, we have learned or we have been reminded that sinners are made righteous before a holy God by faith in Jesus Christ. The law of God, our works, they are unable to justify us before the Lord. Only our God-given faith, grabbing hold of the righteousness of Christ, makes us in right standing before Him. Even through the songs that we just sing, we were celebrating about the fact that salvation has come to this earth. And that salvation is Christ. Christ has accomplished it all. Only by Christ are we made in right standing for God. Reason two. God's word has not failed. God has not failed Israel. Salvation is for his remnant of the Jews as well as his remnant of the Gentiles. Every word and every promise of God can be trusted no matter how chaotic our life may seem. We can trust the Lord. And now we have arrived into the 12th chapter of Romans where we begin reason 3. Chapter 12 begins the marks of God's children. Paul speaks to how God's righteous children live. Many have called this section applied Christianity. And as God has, as Paul has been faithful to lay out the theology, he says, all right, now we're opening up to chapter 12. And like, I'm going to show you how we apply what I have already said to your life as a Christian. This chapter informs those who are saved that they are to worship the Lord with their life. And specifically, within your life of worshiping the Lord, you are to worship the Lord a specific way. The Christmas season always reminds me of the importance of the regulative principle of worship. Derek Thomas explains, he said, put simply, the regulative principle of worship states that the corporate worship of God is to be founded upon specific directions of Scripture. On the surface, it is difficult to see why anyone who values the authority of Scripture would find such a principle objectionable. Is not the whole of life itself to be lived according to the rule of Scripture? This is the principle dear to the hearts of all who call themselves biblical Christians. So God has given us His holy word and His word alone instructs us in how we are to live before Him. Especially at Christmas time. But all throughout the year, we see so much work and effort and time and money put forward by the church 
for entertainment into what is thought to be worship while ignoring what God has told us about how He is to be worshipped. In our own lives, this season can become less thankful, more stressful, less abiding in the Word of God, less loving of others. And we can abandon prayer because we choose to cling to the patterns of this world. R.C. Sproul called what most do today as mindless worship, seeking only an emotional experience that does not glorify the Lord. So what is biblical worship? I mean, there are plenty of newly designed worship services, innovative churches, creative preachers, which I am not one. What God desires is authorized worship. That which He has commanded us to do as His children. So what is biblical worship? John MacArthur uses this definition. It's the right, fitting, and delightful response of moral beings, angelic and human, to God the Creator, Redeemer, and Consummator. For who He is as one eternal God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and for what He will do in the coming consummation, to whom be all praise and glory, now and forever, world without end. He went on to say, Worship cannot be isolated or regulated to just one place, time, or segment of our lives. We cannot verbally thank and praise God while living lives of selfishness and carnality. Worship in of itself is deliberate, purposeful, and active. So biblical worship services, Christians that stand upon the Word of God, parents, teachers, and pastors that declare this is what God has said This is what God has asked of us. The lives of God's children are to be lives lived for Him, and we live for the Lord according to His Word. So may the Lord keep us all focused on His Word this morning. May He give us ears to hear His Word, and may our response to God's Word be repentance followed by obedience. So Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves, your bodies, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, has been called the summary of the Christian life. That if we don't understand Romans 12, 1 and 2, you don't understand the Christian life. Paul appeals to those in Rome beginning with the word therefore. He's saying, brothers and sisters in Christ, because you know that sinners are made righteous by faith in Christ, because you know that God has not failed, that His word has not failed, because of all that I have said, Paul, in the last 11 chapters, I encourage you, I call you, I exhort you, in light of what God has done, here is my counsel for you. I counsel you based upon the mercies of God, His compassion, His undeserved kindness toward you, His redeeming love, the forgiveness of your sins. My counsel, my appeal to you is this. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Because of what God has done, 
there are implications for you as his child. Paul's appeal to the Christians in Rome is rooted in the mercies of God. His goodness, his love, his grace, his righteousness, and his faith. If we go back to Romans 1 verse 7, it says, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. He's like, my appeal to you, brothers and sisters in Christ, my appeal to you is this truth. The mercies of God, that's the foundation that I'm standing on saying, present yourself as a living sacrifice. Like if we as Christians would be reminded of the great mercies that we have in God, in Christ, how that would change everything. He says, I call on you, Christian. And this call, it's based upon God's grace that he has extended to you. This call is based upon the Lord giving you the faith to believe. This call or appeal, it has the mercies of God as its foundation. John Calvin said, Paul teaches us that men will never worship God with a sincere heart or be roused to fear and obey him with sufficient zeal until they properly understand how much they are indebted to the mercy of God. Because of what God has done, because of his mercies, you are to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So God has richly blessed us But our response is to be nothing less than living for him all our days. Romans 11, verse 36, which Blake covered last week, tells us our life is to shout to him be the glory. That is not just an intellectual shout. That is a life shout. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is an imperative. It is a command of God. That if you have been born again, your duty, your obligation, your great pleasure is presenting yourself before the Lord as a living sacrifice. And some of us, we need to understand this with our life. It is a pleasure to come before a holy God and to present yourself saying, Lord, I'm going to live for you today. This is not an opinion. This is not an option for us to consider as God's children, this is a command. We're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And when we hear the word sacrifice, we think of death. And rightly so. But a living sacrifice is something different. While we are physically alive, we must die to self and live to God. This is a calling to live for the Lord. Not just rest in who God is. The word presents your body, it refers to your whole being. Body, mind, motivations, emotions, will. Our complete behavior is to serve the Lord. Our whole being, the inward man, our very life as his child is to glorify him. Paul has already discussed aspects of this in Romans 6. Verses 12 through 14, 
He said, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will not have dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. So the battle of flesh against the battle of the Spirit and the calling of God in our present battle, because we're battling now, is to present ourselves to God to bring or to place all of ourselves before the Lord for the purpose of righteousness. Now, we can try to fill our life with good things. Whether or not you believe it or not, all of us did that this week. You tried to fill your life with something good that was not God. You tried to find satisfaction in something else that was not the Lord, even good things. But our rightful response is to live your life for the Lord, to be a living sacrifice. I was confronted with my own sin this past week that a great a greater understanding of God is a good thing, and I want that. I, I actually believe that Christians want that. Sound doctrine is wonderful. I want the Lord to continue to hone in my doctrine so that I understand, have a greater understanding of who God is and who I am. An increase in understanding based upon God's word is excellent. It is an absolute worthy pursuit. But just attaining the knowledge of God is not fulfilling the words a living sacrifice. We're to live for Him in this life. Our minds, our hands, our feet, our life is to be that of action for the Lord and not just talk. This world is tired of Christians just talking. This is a giving and a living your life for the Lord. It's both giving and living. We give all that we are to all that God is. And we live for Him. All that you are, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, the banner in our hearts is to read, I do this for the glory of God. And if I'm not doing this for the glory of God, I don't need to do it. Now, does Paul explain this living sacrifice? Romans 12, verse 1. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That God has set us apart from the world. He has set us aside for him. Therefore, our attitude, our way of life, is to glorify him according to his holy word. Now, we as Christians, we remember the part that God has set us aside from the world. We must remember he has set us aside for him. That you were set aside for him, to live for him, to glorify him, to be about him. That your chief end of man is to glorify him and enjoy him. You cannot glorify him and enjoy him by just knowing him. It is knowing him and living for him. Otherwise, how can you be a living sacrifice? We've been set apart by God. We've been set apart for God to live holy and acceptable lives. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So a living and holy sacrifice is the call of God. 1 Peter 1, 13-16, which is the closely related text to this in Romans 12. It says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action... 
And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, if we pause for a moment right there, and we just thought about that in every aspect, like running into someone at Walmart, whom you can tell by their attitudes and their actions, they're lost. If our mind was set fully on the hope of Jesus Christ at that time. Weaving through traffic, not getting angry, but having our minds set on Christ at all times. Getting the phone call from a doctor, but having our minds set on Christ at all times. He says, set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, and I love that word, it's not as children, no, as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. You have the mind of Christ, you're saved, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So we're to be living holy and acceptable sacrifices This is our spiritual worship. This means that one of the greatest questions for us as a Christian is, am I living a holy life? Not, am I holy? Yes, you're holy because you've been redeemed by the blood of Christ, but am I living a holy life? It's not positional holiness. It's personal holiness. That our greatest need is daily personal holiness. Our greatest need is to be more like Christ once we are in Christ. Our spiritual worship can also be heard as our reasonable service or our logical service is living a holy and acceptable life to God. In other words, what else could we possibly present? Everything else would be illogical. For me to live half my life for the Lord is illogical. I am to present my only logical service is to be a full living sacrifice. That what is a holy and acceptable life? We give all that we are to all that God is. We keep understanding who more of God is. And God is faithful to reveal our sins little by little in confessing of those sins. MacArthur used these words, the only spiritual service of worship that honors and pleases God is the sincere, loving, thoughtful, and heartfelt devotion and praise of his children. Sproul called this the biblical doctrine of grace that leads to a life motivated by gratitude. I mean, knowing who God is, knowing what God has done, We are called to a life of gratitude, not holding anything back from the Lord, but giving him our all. And what should break our hearts is we even see in our own lives how we push and push and we push people to give all that they are into what they're doing. Very rarely do we push ourselves and push other people. We want you to give all that you are to all that God is. I mean, gratitude to God only on Sunday. That's not a living sacrifice. That's a drive-through window, God. Paul used these words in Philippi, to the church in Philippi, Philippians 2, verse 17. 
even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. That means even if I am to die, I will praise the Lord. That is a rightful response to the mercies of God. Is the life that we are living right now the rightful response to the mercies of God? All of it. All of it is to be our logical, our reasonable, our spiritual worship. Not just Sunday morning, not just reading God's Word and studying God's Word, not just meditating, not just memorizing, but as you go, as you are living, as you are in the grocery store, as you are at work, as you are with your spouse, as you are with your children. Not just being a child of prayer. Our life is to be that of service unto the Lord. That it means our mind. Our thoughts, our motivations, our attitude, our behavior, our actions, our words, our acts, our work, our marriage, our parenting, the honoring of our parents, the respect of other people, putting the needs of others before our own, not being selfish, not being prideful, because love is patient, is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. All of our life is to be holy and acceptable to God. And there's no one in this room, especially me, who can say we have it all together. In our sanctification, what he is divinely orchestrating even now as we are here, the words holy and acceptable, they are to be our goal in the here and the now. That is our goal, to to be holy and acceptable before the Lord. That even God's will for us is clear in Scripture. Our sanctification. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 tells us that. 1 Peter 2 says, Put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Put it away. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. For many of us, maybe this morning, our big problem is we can't remember when we long for the spiritual milk of God's Word, spending time with them, that we can't declare that He is good because it's been far too long. How can we live a a holy and acceptable life before the Lord if we fail and we put off meeting with Him? Because He goes on in 1 Peter 2 and says, As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. You cannot be built up without Christ. You have to go to Christ. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So even being in Christ, we are to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. You know, Jesus responds to a question in Mark 12. He says, which commandment is the most important of all? Now we have that memorized. The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we find all of our heart is to be lived for the Lord. All of our soul is to be lived for the Lord. All of our mind is to be lived for the Lord. With all our strength, love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself. 
This is our reasonable service. That is our spiritual worship. And it's, this is only what is appropriate in offering that to the Lord. Romans 12.1 instructs us. Romans 12.1 commands us. Romans 12.1 confronts our personal reservations. So this is my appeal to you at this point. Do not ignore what you are holding back. Bring it before the Lord right now. Confess what it is. Repent of it. And fill that space of what was rebellion with praise of the living God. And if you're thinking, well, if I only had this, if the Lord would just do this in my life, if just this struggle with sin would stop, then, then I can live, pastor, brother and sister. Christ is enough. In your struggle, in your pain, Christ is enough. In all your hardships, Christ is enough. You need to repent of that thinking. Like Paul the Apostle who had the thorn in the flesh, serve the Lord now, live for Him now. His grace is sufficient for you. We know what God has commanded of us, but how are we to do this? What is God's will in living a holy and acceptable life? Because we live in a flawed and fallen world full of sinners. It's difficult. On every turn, we are seeing the world give us everything at it. Have we been told what our spiritual worship or reasonable service is? But do we just feel our way towards the Lord? No, may it never be. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So our spiritual worship is not living for what we can see with our eyes. If you think you've done your duty because you've come in here and raised your hands and worshiped the Lord, that's not all that God requires of you. We are not to live like the world lives. The here and the now is not all that there is. Wealth, toys, entertainment, experiences, accumulation of possessions, slothfulness, just one more pleasure, the hope of retirement, that will not last. Paul is calling Christians to run from what the world does and flee to glorifying the Lord, the one who has had mercy on you. Remember, that, that's what he's standing on. My, Paul's appeal to these people is the fact of the mercies of God. He is calling us to live and not just be. Don't just be a Christian. Live the Christian life. He says Christians are the called out ones. The ones whom the Lord has a special love for. That's not just something that we think about. That's something that we do. And we are to live for Him. Our values are to be different. For some of us, we need to go home and we need to honestly look at our life and say, do my values line up with God's word? And if no, you need to repent and make them do so. We find a beautiful, basic truth for Christians in Romans 12 too. God's children are not to do things and God's children are to do things. Some of us this morning, we may not feel like we're spiritually alive. We may not feel like we're spiritually filled at the moment. This often arises in our lives because we're spending our time knowing him and we're not spending our time living for him. 
He says, do not be conformed to this world. That is a command. Children and teenagers are not the only ones who struggle with being conformed to this world. So do adults. Our pattern, our character, and mind are not to align with the world. J.B. Phillips put it like this, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Because the word world can also be translated this age. That Christians have been born again. They have been given a new heart and this new heart is to result in serving our Heavenly Father. That means that your heart can also not serve the Heavenly Father. We are to reflect Christ. We don't reflect our old self. We don't reflect what Christ died for. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So the gospel of God has saved us in this age, and the good news of Christ is to not escape our heart and our mind in this age. I love that Paul doesn't give a list of excuses here in which, hey, it's okay because you're struggling. As forgetful children, we need to daily sit at the feet of our Heavenly Father and be reminded of Him. Whether that's the reading of God's Word, whether that's through continual prayer and talking to the Lord, whether that's through a time of confession or meditation of what we have memorized, that God's mercy, His commands, our behavior, our purpose in this life, His promises being fulfilled, His promises approaching. This is His plea before Him. Think upon the mercies of God. We are forgetful creatures in this foreign land. Therefore, we need a daily dose of God's Word if we're going to live for Him. Living for the glory of God requires spiritual food. As a baby needs milk, as children, they need certain nutrients. As adults need nutrients, we need the Word of God. We are to feed ourselves the Word of God. And if you think that's not a constant struggle, no matter how long you've been a Christian, you are foolish and ignorant. You make time for what's important. I was reminded this week of reading through once again. What if I just had more hours in the day? What if I just had one more person who could do this and do that? You still wouldn't get those things accomplished. The tyranny of the urgent must be flushed and you must do what the Lord has called you to do. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Living for the glory of God, it requires spiritual food. Now I hope, and my prayer, is that God would feed you through using a vessel like me. But if you think that's enough food for you to live throughout the week, I'll just tell you it's not. Even after preaching, I need to feed myself when I get home later today. Living for the glory of God, it requires spiritual food. We are to feed ourselves the Word of God. This relationship, it's to be of supreme importance. You have a responsibility to go to God and to knock on the door. And He makes a promise, I'll never be too busy for you. Come in and fellowship with me. 1 Corinthians 9.27 But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be 
disqualified. One of the disciplines of our body as Christians is to be that of feasting on God's holy word. Jesus himself said in Matthew 4, 4, man does not live on bread alone. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So our minds, they need the breathed out words of the Lord to live. Psalm 119, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can I do this? By guarding it according to your word. We go to what God has said. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Many of us, we're storing up things, but it's not the word. Philippians 3, brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, their glory is their shame, with minds set on earthly things. Some of us, we even think more about the world in here. But our citizenship, it's in heaven. From it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. So we need to guard our lives with the Word of God or we're going to wander back into the evil patterns of this world. The Word of God is needed for salvation and evangelism, discipleship and counseling. The Word is needed in our day-to-day race of faith. The Word of God is needed for our own sanctification. Without the Word of God, the renewal of our minds, we will not grow up spiritually. Listen to Paul's word to the church in Ephesus, found in Ephesians 4. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to do what? To equip the saints, for the work of city. No. Work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. I'll just say this. And I'm included. We're not mature. There's so much growth the Lord desires in our life. And he, he is going to grow us. But in our minds, we need to be thinking, we have not arrived to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ, so that we want to grow up so that we're no longer going to be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So each Member is important. See, truth is needed for maturity. Truth is needed for growing up in Christ. Our mind needs truth. We need the Word of God. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy, that he powerfully works within me. So we need to know the truth and we need to speak the truth. Both are required of us. 
Hold your spot in Romans 12 and look with me at Colossians chapter 3. These 17 verses are extremely rich. Paul is teaching the church in Colossae and he is telling them, you have a responsibility of putting on the new self. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 1. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. It's almost like every time in Scripture we talk about heaven, we talk about Christ. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we find that our mind needs to be set on things above. That we are in this life, in this world, we are to put to death what is earthly in our lives. That we need to put away the flesh and put on the new self. We need to put on the things of God. We need the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts. We need to stop and consider Jesus. We need the word of Christ dwelling in us richly. And he goes on to say, why do you need the word of Christ dwelling in you richly? So that teaching and admonishing of one another takes place among God's people. It's not just you going and spending time with Jesus. It's you learning and going and teaching other people how to spend time with Jesus and how to live. It's ongoing transformation will not happen without the renewal of our minds. We don't keep looking back and saying, look at what the Lord did then. No, it's looking at what the Lord is doing now. The Word addresses everything. Our mind, our character, our actions, our words, our thoughts, our behavior, our attitude. God's Word needs to be a river in which we drink from every day. 
And when it's not, our mind will feed on something else because we need something. But anything else besides feeding on the Word of God will lead you to fall away from the living God. No matter how good it looks. Romans 8, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. For those who live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. Oh, how we need this reminder. If we're setting our minds on the things of this world, it's death. Don't focus upon death. Focus upon life in Christ. Set the mind on the Spirit. That is life. That is peace. Our mind needs to be in the Word of God. To set our mind on His Word is life and peace. 1 Corinthians 6.20, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. There's that word body again, referring to all of you. The mercies of God include our adoption. He has purchased us. The price was the sacrifice of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. It's not just that Jesus came to this earth when we celebrated Christmas time. It's that He lived a perfect life and He died for you. And in dying for you, you are to be a living sacrifice unto Him. Our life and behavior as redeemed saints is to be that of glorifying Him. Therefore, we have reverence for Him and we have reverence for what He has spoken. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, and what is acceptable and perfect. So what is God's will for my life? That question is often asked a whole heap. What is God's will for my life? We find God's will for our life, our path of worship in God's Word. If you want to know God's will, get in the Word. Our thinking must be transformed if we are to live a holy sacrifice before the Lord. The Holy Spirit works through the Word of God. By testing, you may discern. So by testing or examining, as you're spending time in the Word of God, you recognize God's will. By testing, you find its worth or you prove God's will. J.C. Ryle in his book on holiness, he said, holiness is the habit of being of one mind with God. According as we find his mind described in Scripture, a holy man will strive to be like our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what a holy man strives to do, to be like our Lord. If we're to be a living sacrifice before the Lord, we need to meet with Him. Abide in His Word and live for Him. I mean, look at it this way from the simple standpoint. When you and I hang out with people, we get characteristics from them. We start to say the same things, do the same things, things that my kids say in the home, I'm starting to find myself saying those things. And hopefully vice versa. They see things that I'm doing and they want to do those things. They want to be like those things. We need to spend time with the Lord. If we were to be a living sacrifice before the Lord, we need to meet with Him, abide in His Word, and then live with Him, live for Him. If we don't know the character of God, found in the Word of God, we will not know what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect. When you know the character of God, you know what's good and acceptable and perfect. 
We need to know what is good or useful in the worship of God. We need to know what is acceptable or well-pleasing to God. We need to know that which is perfect to the Lord. You see, we live like the world when we are not renewing our mind by the careful observation of God's Word. And there's one thing you can look at past the last 25 years, that's what's happened. We have tried to be more like the world, even in crafting worship services and crafting our own individualistic lives throughout the week, that we have not been spending time renewing our mind by the careful observation of God's Word. We live like the world when we're not thinking about our Heavenly Father and our eternal home. If we're not thinking about God, why in the world would our bodies be lived for? We look like the world when we are not living for the glory of God, loving and obeying His commands. Alistair Begg used these words about Christians who fail to live. He said, what a great sadness it is when churches become like dusty old libraries filled with so many lives that are like volumes of truth just sitting there never used. The temptation as we become increasingly aware of the truth is just to sit and think about it without ever taking action. James put that kind of life in stark terms. It is to deceive yourselves. No. A church is to be a gallery of living experience. There ought to be a vibrancy about believers so that when we face the world's many problems, problems we ourselves are not immune to, we can see them for what they are and respond by holding out the truth of God's Word as we ourselves live it out. So in being a living sacrifice, yes, we get into the Word of God and we spend time knowing who God is, but we also turn and we respond by living for Him, not becoming a dusty old book that is covered, just thinking about what we should be doing instead of never acting. Like for me, the principle I can even think of just right now. It's not enough that I know I am called to train my children in the ways of the Lord. I must train my children in the ways of the Lord. It's not enough to know that I am to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I am to respond and do that. To love my neighbor as myself. To daily wash my wife in the Word of God. To bring up sin that's in my brother's or my sister's life, I can't just think about it and pray about it. I need to talk. Our response to the mercies of God is to be our whole life, not just our leftovers. So what that, what that looks like, too. Let's just get a little serious for the moment when we're thinking about looking at our own life. That means we don't give God our leftovers when training our children. We don't give God our leftovers when it comes to our marriage. We don't give God our leftovers when it comes to our work. We don't allow the tyranny of the urgent to push out what God has commanded. God has commanded us to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. We need a renewed mind. You need a renewed mind. You need to climb the mountain of God's Word and spend time with Him. It's not enough that you heard me who spent time with God this week. You need to climb the mountain and spend time with Him. 
Your spiritual worship is to live holy and acceptable lives before him. You're living before the face of God right now. Quorum Deo. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. There's no other option. You're being transformed or you're being conformed. There is no neutral ground with the Lord. Don't conform yourself to this world. Be transformed. And in your transformation, get up and have action and live to God. Father, I thank you for your holy word. Your word is extremely clear. It is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides, it, it reveals our sin, it reveals our earthly cravings, our earthly passions, our earthly pursuits. Lord, it points us and reminds us to like the very day that we were born again by your grace, Lord. You are really all that we have. And you have called us to live all that we are to all that you are. You have called us as your children to be a living sacrifice we cannot do that without you. It is impossible. We cannot live for you without you. We need your power. We need your Holy Spirit working through the reading and studying and meditating and applying of your word of God. We need other brothers and sisters in Christ who have been adopted into the family to spur us on, to encourage us, to get us out of our comforts and to realize we are called to live a life that glorifies you. There is not an ounce in which it should not, we should not be a living sacrifice. Father, in this church, give brothers and sisters in Christ the boldness to speak the truth and love. Give them boldness to encourage, to confront sin, to discuss sin, to talk about what it is to worship you rightly according to your word. Father, in our own lives, help us to flush away the excuses of I don't have time to know the one that has made me. I don't have time to know the one who has redeemed me, the one who shed his blood on the cross and died for me. That's blasphemy. Time is all we have. And you have called us to live that for you. Lord, forgive us when we have had so much passion and zeal for things that are not of you. Lord, it's already been said this morning, but you are holy, holy, holy. There is no one like you. You are worthy of all of our worship. Do that in our life. May our life be about the worship of you. Lord, those that do not believe, have not repented, are not relying upon Christ alone for salvation. Lord, use your word that was preached this morning. Draw them to you. May we talk about you as we are leaving. May we think about you as we are taking of the Lord's Supper, as we are eating. Remind us of your holy word that we're not to be conformed to this world. We are to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. By testing, by testing we may discern what is your will, what is good, pleasing, acceptable, what is perfect. 
how good you are. You've called us to come and to dine and to fellowship with you. Lord, may we not put that off. It's in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names, the name in which we all must be saved by. We pray and ask these things. Amen.